Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a homeschool-based four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. After spending 20 years in the college classroom, I saw the brokenness and dysfunction of modern ed, and I wanted to be part of the solution. You can too. If you're new to the show or in a season unpacking American education, you can scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the system and getting started on the parent-directed journey. Well, we've been talking about the 12 toxic traits of the public school environment over the last few weeks. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about that, you can go to my book. My latest book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution, is available at outsourcethebook.com, or you can find all my books, blogs, and podcasts at cvcu.us on the President's page. If you have questions for us on the show, you can reach us at radio at cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. And I want to shout out some more churches who are stepping up to the rescue mission. I'm so excited to see pastors across the nation stepping up to the call to open their church up to the homeschool community. We have a new ch- a new church in Texas and a new church in La Mesa this week as well. So excited. Pastors, if you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, just click the Start an Academy tab on our cvcu.us website. You'll see our plug and play model that's here to support you wherever you are in the United States. We'll come alongside you and get you started with an outreach of your own. You can see some interviews of some of our incredible Homeschool Academy partners on the homepage as well at cvcu.us. Well, today I wanted to look at some data that just came out on the public school model and the abysmal scores that students are achieving because they are being taught in an archaic system that is not designed for the Gen Z and alpha brain. On our Homeschool California Facebook Live last week, I shared a little bit of this data. You can go back and watch the broadcast as well, but I'm going to dig a little deeper today on these uh, National Assessment of Educational uh, Progress, or lack thereof, I guess, uh, from the study, and that's NEAP. You can find that study at nationsreportcard.gov. Yes, it's visible for all to see. Uh, Pretty shocking. Uh, when you hear the data. So so this, this study measured scholastic success in fourth grade and eighth grade. And when we look at the numbers, parents, it is so sobering to see what is not being taught in an eight-hour day, <laughs> eight hours and then another three hours of homework, and our students are still failing, as opposed to the homeschool model, just three hours of homeschooling. Uh, we'll talk about the comparative data right there in just a moment. But when we looked at those, uh, the NEAP study, uh, fourth graders in math scored on average 231 points out of 500, in reading 214 
19 points out of 500. Science and writing have not been assessed for quite some time. Science, that was 2015 and writing 2002. And our scores there were uh, 140 out of 300 and 146 out of 300. I'll explain those scores in just a minute. Then the eighth grade level, uh, we saw a moderate increase, uh, which made me think of the, do you remember the Georgia teachers who cheated on their uh, their students' exams, they were all indicted. It was 160 teachers or something invited for indicted for cheating on their students' standardized testing so they could get more money for their for their district. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the jump. But 270 out of 500, still a, an abysmal score. Uh, 248 out of 500 for reading. The 270 was for math. And then, like the fourth grade study, uh, science had not been assessed since 2015. That was 142 out of 300. And then... 147 out of 300 for writing. Um, and again, those last two had not been assessed in either fourth or eighth grade in this study uh, since 2015 and 2002, respectively. Now, there was kind of a little misleading slant, a little uh, bit of a disingenuous angle in the in the reporting of the tests because they were it was reported on several national news headlines. And it made it sound like they were the scores were low and we could blame that on the pandemic. But just read through the data for yourself, nationsreportcard.gov. The data hasn't always been low. <laughs> Click the state of California and look at the data and the average data for the United States, 235, which again, 235 out of 500. If that's our standard parents, <laughs> we may need to raise our ceiling a little bit. Um, but when you look at those stats, you know, if you if you remember being in school and you had a test that was on a hundred point scale and you got a 50, a 50%, that's an F. <laughs> That's an F, friends. That's what our, our students are scoring. That's an F. If you have 425 on an 850 credit score, that's an F. <laughs> that's poor, right? Um, and our students, our nation's public school students are scoring in that 50th percentile, 230 out of 500, less than, less than 50th. Uh, but our California students are scoring even lower. Uh, that's what we call the dumbing down of America, friends. This is... This is the data right here that shows us uh, this very clear objective analysis of the dumbing down of the next generation. The good news is that there is a better way, a more effective way, a more efficient way of educating the next generation. You know, many schools that I have taught for over the last 20 years have perceived homeschooling as a threat to traditional education. Why is that? because homeschooling is a threat to traditional education. Let's compare that data with the overall success of the homeschool model, and you'll see why I am just a tiny bit passionate about education reform. Homeschool students score dramatically higher in academics, in civic engagement, in biblical worldview, in socio-emotional health, in identity formation, in maturity, in career readiness than any other educational methodology. These stats hold true regardless of parental education level or socioeconomic status. When we look at grades and maturity level, we see com comparatively, we see homeschoolers outperforming traditionally educated students three to five grades higher, grade levels higher. We see them scoring 37 points higher on average on standardized testing. 
if you if you follow me on social media at Dr. Lisa Dunn, I put some graphs out there showing the differences. We look at public school, the 50th percentile again. 50% <laughs> and homeschoolers at the 90th percentile across the board in every subject. These differences hold true regardless of parent income, regardless of education, regardless of socioeconomic status. The secret of success in education, hands down, is an involved parent. You've heard me say this over and over. Preschool to college, the number one predictor of socioeconomic success is an involved parent. Parents, we can literally set our children up for success by breaking free from America's highly dysfunctional education system. It is time for a public school exit from kindergarten to college. And homeschooling is more powerful, more affordable, more accessible than ever before. We have so many tremendous resources for you. And I'm going to talk about some of those on today's show. You know, as a university professor, again, for 20 years, you know, I stood at the front of the classroom and you see the cumulative dysfunction because you get students who have been indoctrinated in a system for 12 years. And so when I started Chula Vista Christian University, I knew that I wanted a model that would step outside of that not that realm, that would step outside of the brokenness. I, the three main dysfunctions that I saw were the sweeping secularization, which is even in, in private schools. If you haven't read Ken Ham's work, go back and look at his work, his studies on uh, the private and public school environments. And uh, it's sobering, a sobering find, but reality is our friend. We have to face reality. And so, uh, so sweeping secularization was one thing. The ineffective methodology was something I saw over and over in every educational sphere and knew that needed to be fixed because we weren't speaking to the hearts and minds of Gen Z and alpha learners. And then the debt, the model of debt for college is just absolutely insane. So I'll mention a little bit about that today. But as I was, as I was thinking about what kinds of people I would want to hire, you know, I, I remember the first Luke, Luke 640 says that the student when fully trained will become like the teacher. We kid ourselves if we think we're not shaped by the environment that we that we live in by the people that we're surrounded by. And, you know, we've talked before on the show about the study of, uh, by Campus Renewal, that 70% of college freshmen walk away from the faith by the end of their freshman year. Now, only 15% we see surviving high school with their faith intact if they go to public school, even if they're in a Christian home. And so I knew when I was starting the university and all these academies across the U.S. that this, this model of the mentor, what we called in grad school, the guide on the side, not the sage on on the stage, um, this person who was relationally warm, committed to the local church, spiritually mature, that had a life exhibiting a harvest of good fruit. This is uh, this definitely limits the pool of of qualified professors. Believe me, <laughs> but I I believe this is a vital step in the in the foundation for education reform. We've got to look at who is teaching the children and what are they being taught. Back to Plato's admonition, there, you know, L Lieutenant Colonel Ray Moore once said that if we don't change the way we do education, we will lose our country. And so part of my answer to that was stepping up with CVCU and of course the homeschool academies across the nation. Uh, it's not too late for you to jump in. If you're a parent, it's not too late for you to jump out 
off the ship, off the boat, and into the arms of all the lifeboats or arms of lifeboats, into all the lifeboats that are that are all around you here to help you uh, navigate this new season of life. And if you're a pastor or church leader, we have options for you to help you, a total plug and play model to come alongside you so that your church can be part of that rescue boat, that rescue mission. You know, modern educational institutions anchor on measurable outcomes. And I have a whole chapter devoted to this in the book Outsource because it's something that parents often ask me. What if what if my kids are are, are my kids going to be behind because I homeschool them? What if what if I fail my kids? What if I mess up my kids? I hear this from parents all the time. Again, the number one predictor of your child's socioacademic success is you and involved parents. So surely it should just by spending more time with you, those children are going to have a better rate of socioeconomic success. By sheer volume of influence, you as a parent are the one who's going to raise that ceiling in their lives. And what happens when we look at this concept of measurable objectives, you know, the challenge here is that the measurable objectives of the school system, what they think is important, which clearly is not academia because we see that in all the test scores, but what they think is most important may not be the same things that we think are most important. You know, they may think, oh, raising a child in uh, with an understanding of critical race theory, where we pit one, one ethnicity against another. And we say that you're a victim or an oppressor and you can, there's nothing you can do to get out of either of those roles. Uh, they, they think that that's really important teaching right now, the public school systems in our district, it's very aggressive. Um, um, but you as a parent, hopefully you don't think that <laughs> hopefully you have a, you have another objective, a measurable objective that you're trying to teach and train your children in. And so we have to look at our end goal. You know, if we want critical thinkers, world changers, industry disruptors, then we need to create environments that will encourage active learning, that will give students the freedom to ask questions. We have to stop stifling their creativity and their critical thinking in the name of conformity, in the name of groupthink. One of my favorite authors, Neil Postman, said that there was a very, there's a distinct difference between school and education because there are many buildings that say they are educating our children, but they are merely a building and no education is taking place. Indoctrination is taking place. Yes, sure. But not truly education. And Postman published this study on inquiry in the traditional education environment. He looked at the different types of questions that children asked in a traditional school environment. The vast majority of those, he said, 93% were administrative questions. Administrative means things like, how do I hold my pencil? How do I spell this word? How many questions? Questions can I get wrong and still pass the test? Those are not the same kinds of questions as why questions. Why? Even questions like why is the sky blue? That is a, a an ev- that's evidence of a child thinking critically. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to annoy you with a million questions, but but typically those why questions are squelched, aren't they? In the traditional sector. Good behavior is sitting quietly with your hands in your lap, your hands in your lap, getting along with others, conforming, conforming, conforming to the behavioral norms of the classroom. And that is a a format that is antithetical to true education because it literally silences meaningful questions. It literally silences critical thinking. It subverts passion. It it subverts industry disruption. It's, It's just one more example of creating a cog in a machine. Now, 
When we compare that to the inquiry method, Socratic method, which is what we use in all of our homeschool academies and at Chula Vista Christian University, this method, now we call it Socratic method. It was popularized by Socrates. Socrates. You can look on my um, start an academy tab, the academies, uh, a little bit about the philosophy to learn more about that model and why we use that model. CVCU.us, just click this the um, the academy tab. Uh, but, but when we look at that inquiry model, that is again popularized by Socrates, it was modeled very effectively by Jesus in the matter, in the way that he taught his disciples. I mean, think about his use of parables, his use of questions. Who do you say that I am? Why are you afraid? He asked, why did you doubt? Whose image is on this coin? Do you still not understand? What does scripture say? Who touched me? Now, Jesus could have given the answer to any of those questions himself. Obviously, he could have lectured his disciples for hours on an infinite number of topics, right? He could have commanded the skies to open, calling angels to storm down and pen the responses across the sky. But instead, Jesus chose inquiry, reflection, relationship. He chose the methods of inductive reasoning that would cause his followers to think, to reason, to return to him ultimately. And so we have to, we have to tailor our educational methodology to the quote educational outcome, the measurable outcome. Our measurable outcomes as believers are not just academic, they're social, they're spiritual, they're relational. If we raise really smart kids who go to Harvard and earn a Nobel Peace Prize, but they walk away from God, what have we gained mom and dad? Mark 8, 36 asks, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul? You know, we look at the current generation that is, has this dubious honor of being the most anxious, depressed, atheist people group in the history of America. And that's because again, the traditional system is failing America from values clarification to Marxism, to this lack of critical thinking, eradication of the arts, which are the seedbed of creativity and innovation. Instead of focusing on enhancing individual potential, the focus in traditional education for the last 50 years, five zero has been how to make all people perform to a specific measurable. So when people say a measurable objective, this is what they're referring to, how to create a system that fashions a project, a product, something predictable, replicable, measurable. Students are taught what to think, but not how to think. And the school system favors this rigidity and control over human behavior because it's easier to train drones, isn't it? It's hard to train those students who think for themselves. That's hard, right? These markers of control, these are totally antithetical to the true heart of education. Traditional education is, it's a social construct, the traditional methodology that's all around us right now. And its singular goal is producing an outcome, a product, a stamp of a person that is a clone of everybody else um, in their value system, their agenda. And this drive for conformity, it's one of the many maddening aspects of traditional education, this groupthink, hive mind mentality. Um, instead of that, humans thrive when we're appreciated for the unique differences that sharpen and shape us. You know, the broad basis of public opinion or public school opinion, that's not our marker. That's not our, that's not our standard. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many will enter in traversing that broad way, that popular path. That is what's led us to where we are today in American culture. 
Of course, uh, as I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, it's not only the ineffective methodology and the sweeping secularization, but also just the incredible debt. College students, uh, California, 3.7 million student borrowers who owe $141.9 billion in student debt. Um, but it's a tenth of the nation's whole, and it's kept them anxious. It's kept them in this perpetual uh, perpetual adolescence. Um, and, and in fact, 60% of college students in America are current that have graduated are currently employed in jobs that share nothing in common with their college degree field. I mean, the colleges are even, there's not even purpose-driven college. And that's why in our environments at CVCU, we wanted students to be trained up so that they would have a marketplace influence. They would be industry disruptors. This is why we're built on a mentorship format where not only do we graduate our students debt-free, but we graduate students who have a sense of purpose. They intern, they work with mentors, they, they find their purpose right away and they pursue that purpose Students learn in circles instead of rows. They um, they're connected in a in a in a community of mentor driven learning. Now, again, parents, you can start an academy, a K preschool to college academy, right there on your campus using our plug and play model, right in your local church. I also want to remind you that we have tremendous state level support. If you're in the state of California, you can go to chiaofca.org slash join and become a member today. We're here to support you, serve you as a homeschooling family. We have events happening all across the state from in the neighborhood conferences to our big annual conferences. We have family protection ministries, Nathan Pierce, who's scanning the bills in Sacramento every day. We have lawyer John McCowan. They're standing by on our team to help keep us updated on legal issues, threats to homeschooling. We have Zoom meetups, Facebook live sessions, so many supports for you. We all know that traditional education is broken beyond repair, and I am calling on all the churches across our state to be part of the solution. Just go to cvcu.us and click the Start a Homeschool Academy tab. If just 75% of our churches across California would open their doors to 260 homeschooling families, we could empty out the public schools tomorrow. If you're in 11th grade or 12th grade, you can apply to CVCU to be a full-time college student right now. As a homeschooler, you have that opportunity not to have to repeat all of your general education, but to use what you, you learn in high school and college toward your college degree. Again, our debt-free model, the lowest price for your university on the West Coast. We are training marketplace leaders. Don't forget to check out OutsourceTheBook.com. And if you're new to the show, uh, make sure you go back to my podcast, scroll through for interviews and tips of the trade. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me on today's show. I'll be back next week with more of our toxic trait analysis and some tips that will help you stay connected throughout the lifespan. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.